all right what's going on everybody you know happy um happy early saturday morning we are 40 minutes almost an hour past midnight here in san jose california what's going on everybody i'm aaron james this is the shark city podcast um what's going to wait honestly until maybe midday saturday here in shark city to get together but I decided, hey, you know what? Might as well do it now. Uh, still reflecting and kind of, you know, taking it all in. That being what was the 2021-2022 NHL season for the Sounds of Sharks. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's plenty of cover. And I'm pretty sure most of it you may hear, especially in the next couple of days. Um, so I'll do my best to keep it fresh and not essentially be repetitive, but, uh, some of the things that I want to cover in this final episode of the 2021, 2022 season, episode 31 to, uh, celebrate 31 seasons of sharks hockey. Uh, we'll talk about, we're going to, you know, we're going to go back. We're going to go back to the beginning. Uh, we won't spend too much time on things that um, are unnecessary, but essentially we'll cover um, the whole deal with Tomas Hurdle uh, at the beginning during the off season uh, up until now where he's obviously staying in San Jose. And we'll talk about Timo Meyer and how his stock has rised and what that might mean for the Sharks in the future. Um, we'll also talk about some of the busts in my opinion for this season being Aiden Hill and Eric Carlson. Uh, we'll maybe slightly speak about Doug Wilson, his legacy in San Jose, as the San Jose Sharks will begin their new GM search next week. And, uh, you know, the Bob Bubner experiment finally gets 82 games. So, you know, it's it's in the books. It's legit. Uh, the first couple of seasons, you know, didn't get to play full regular 82-game NHL seasons because of the whole pandemic. And... um you know, here here we are. We get to see Bob Boogner's Sharks for an actual uh, NHL full-length season. And even though we were affected by protocol and everything else you could think of that could essentially derail a team that's trying to build and find its identity. Um, after 82 games, the Sharks are 32, 37, and 13. 77 points in the standings. Uh, as of right now, the best we're going to do is 11th overall. So for those of you who are on the Shane Wright watch. For those of you who are hoping that the Sharks can make a jump. Statistically speaking, it's not looking too good. Uh, obviously, if you are Montreal, you have the best chances. But... We are still within the rules where we are not limited, or excuse me, where um, if we were to finish at 12th overall, we would have only been limited to reach the second spot. So the fact that we are 11 means that we still got a chance. I'm not banking on it. Um, I think the Sharks lucked out at the beginning of this season with Eklund, the fact that he dropped to 7th. But hey, if we do get the first round overall pick, I mean, that'll be great, right? Um I feel like if we get the first round, if we could luckily somehow, some way, if the NHL could find it in their hearts to show some love toward the Sharks, because we all know how much they love to, um, you know, they just love 
to speak about and and give credit and you know um, glorify San Jose hockey, right? Anyways, uh, but if the Sharks somehow find a way to um, get that first overall pick, there is going to be no excuse. You got to see Eklund and Wright until next season. Now, so far we're just talking hypothetical and dreaming. So let's get back to uh, let's get back to the whole um, focus points here in today's uh, pot or tonight's podcast. Uh, so I want to start off with Tomas Hurdle. Uh, Tomas Hurdle is a very interesting story. Uh, first and foremost, a lot of this a lot of this went down during the whole um, distraction, as it was dubbed in Sharks territory. And uh, I guess we'll we'll have to talk about that too because you cannot talk about the 2021-2022 season without mentioning Evander Kane. And that's one thing I noticed today in the final broadcast. Out of all the broadcasts, finally, some authenticity, right? Some some genuine comments. But yeah, the broadcasting crew finally talking about how the absence of Kane affected the Sharks season. Anyways, uh, but yeah, Tomas Hurdle, he pretty much was breaking news for um, Sounds like Sharks fans prior to the whole season beginning. Um, so here's news that we broke. This came from an article from his hometown. And um, it was translated in Google Translate, so I know it may not be 100% accurate. But essentially, uh, he was talking about how he wants to win now. And there's teams out there that may offer you the dollar value, right? They may offer you the contract that you're worth. But overall, um, you know, you can't really win with that team. And um, he was kind of referring to other players in the league that took a pay cut because they were on a squad that had a better chance of hoisting the Stanley Cup. Uh, to summarize it, without getting into all the details, you know, old news, so to speak. But uh, essentially, what I'm trying to get at here is we've come quite a long way from Tomas Hurdle making comments about not even knowing if he is wanted in San Jose and not um, sure, you know, if um, if he was necessarily on board with the direction the club may be going. So, um, you know, one day I would love to see the tapes or I would love to, you know, uh, hear the interviews uh, with Joe Will. And Tomas Hurdle and that conversation and what went down um, in terms of, you know, how they got him to sign for eight years. Um, so obviously that'll probably be one of the biggest stories of this season will be Tomas Hurdle signing an eight-year extension and essentially staying in San Jose until 2030. Um, yeah, I, I really want to know what they said to Tomas Hurdle. Now, Tomas Hurdle went on Sharks Audio um, Network, and he had previously shared how the um, influence of his family members and some of his friends here, and essentially just this area, being the Bay Area, played a big part in um, you know making a decision to stay. But long story short is, um, you know, I count but Phil... Like, and, you know, we're just, I'm just going to let it all on the line now. There's really nothing, uh, no no reason to hold back now, right? But the point I'm trying to get at is, um, you know, they had to pretty much say that he's going to be the centerpiece of this team. That he, I mean, I'm thinking like future captain 
you know what I'm saying? Like, next captain. I mean, it would have shocked me if Couture, Carlson, Vlasic, and Burns will start being perceived as the um, expendables on the squad. These are aging players. They're well into their 30s. Um, and long story short is, you know, I, I'm not saying this is going to happen immediately. I'm not saying it's going to happen this offseason. Unless, of course, sounds like Sharks find a general manager that um, is willing to start that process ASAP. And they, and they find a general manager ASAP because it doesn't really feel like that's what's going to happen. Sure, you could start searching for one. You could start the process next week. But, you know, if you're not finding the person that you feel is best suited to, uh, you know, lead that squad, then, you know, it's until further notice, you know, our TBA, TBD, and Joe Will and the rest of the staff are going to handle it going into next season. We already know that. So, you know, and, and really quick while we're on a topic today, Bob Bugner was talking to media and he was mentioning how. He hasn't spoken to Joe Will and how, you know, in terms of like where he stands with the club in terms of, you know, if his job is secure, so to speak. And I find that kind of ironic because, you know, back in February, Joe Will, in one of his first public um, addresses to, you know, um, from being like the... um, the intern GM, I guess, like one of his first public appearances, he said he was pleased with Bugner's system. And and Bugner, you know, he's saying to himself he's happy with his results, that he started something he wants to finish here in San Jose. And honestly, um, kind of like with some of these stories that are circulating right now with the general managers, uh, a lot of the stories circulating with like Bob Bugner's job security, I feel like that's just you know, that's just fluff. That's smoke and mirrors. Those are just puff pieces. It's pretty obvious. I mean, it's pretty obvious that the Sharks are going to take their time trying to find the perfect candidate. I mean, talk about Doug Wilson's successor, okay? This isn't just someone that you can throw in, throw into the mix. And just, you know, um, I know they're saying, I know they're saying that um, the qualifications doesn't just mean you have to be experienced um, as, you know, whatever, but I doubt it. You know, this this market, especially right now with, with how they're currently doing in terms of, like, you know, the attendance, uh, this barrier market, it, it's fragile when it comes to hockey. It really is. Like, um, it didn't seem that way because the Sharks were so successful for so many years. But the point I'm trying to get is, um, you know, right now, right now they're, you know, they're under the microscope. I mean, the Sharks are calling a lot of attention to themselves outside of, um, you know, the lack of performance the lack of um, fans and attendance, you know, but also some of the projects that are going on in downtown, you know, so, you know, the sharks, are, um, long story, the point I'm trying to get it is, you know, like the next GM, I feel like it's not going to be um, so like, uh, what's the proper term? Like, I, I don't think, I think even though they're saying like the experience is necessarily, um, it's like entry level, the way they're talking about it is I, I really don't think it's going to be like that. I think the Sharks are going to want to present somebody that they feel not is just um, someone that they could um, feel like the public and the fans can relate to. And, you know, maybe somebody that's 
Um, like for example, Kevin Weeks, you know, obviously he's a media guy, right? So when it comes to public relations or media relations, um, he's going to be very natural, very smooth, and maybe, maybe even, um, you know, a little bit more refreshing than some of the other candidates out there because, you know, he's a TV guy, he's a TV guy, he's an entertainer. Okay. But, um, and I mean, he's more than that. I'm not trying to summarize him as just being an entertainer. Don't get me wrong. But the point I'm trying to get at is, um, is, you know, I don't think that the Sharks are going to present the Bay Area market with a GM that isn't, you know, qualified to lead the, you know, capital Silicon Valley's NHL team. Like, it ain't just going to be some random, I guess it's the, it's the point I'm trying to make. Anyways, um, before I stumble too far, I start to mesh all my talking points. Let me get back on uh, track with, with Hurdle. Um, so, yeah, I feel like with his eight-year extension deal, there had to be some kind of promise of essentially being the centerpiece. I mean, he's obviously the number one center, which kind of trips me out. I'm not going to lie. I mean, obviously, you know, he was a winger up until recent, uh, made a transition as a center. But the fact that he beat out Logan Couture as the number one center, I mean, it's not surprising. Look at the performance this year, right? It's night and day. But I, I would automatically, in my opinion, if I was doing the lineup, I would have Couture on that first line, and Hurdle and um, and Meyer at the wing. So the whole point I'm trying to get with that is, you know, like seeing Couture on the second line all season, and seeing kind of Tomas Hurdle as being like the central figure, not just on social media, but also you know giving all all the TV time. Like I mean, this this man was celebrated, which he should be. He deserves to be. He's a very accomplished Sharks player. And he really, but the point I get at is like it's it's obvious that Hurdle is the heart of the team right now. He really is. And um, whether or not some of you want to believe that that's that had a play in the second story, which we're going to talk about a little bit here with Evander Kane, um, you know, is debatable. But yeah, Tomas Hurdle is obviously the heart of the team, and I feel like that eight-year deal had some sort of promise to be like, hey, you know what, you are the number one guy on the squad. Uh, so with that being said, just to uh, you know, just to recap, you know, I think Hurdle is the one who you know this is the team is going to be um, built around at this point. And you know, I would say if not this off season, don't be shocked by next off season. Logan Couture, Brent Burns, Mark Edward Vlasic, and Eric Carlson are on the trade block. Honestly. Um, anyways, so yeah, uh, it was, it was, a, it was really, really, um, interesting because right now we're all breathing, right? We're all breathing easily, but it just wasn't until like two months ago where, you know, hurdle was, it, it was literally like almost down to the wire right before the trade deadline. We were not sure if hurdle was going to be a shark. So, you know, that, that right there was definitely probably the number one, um, Probably the number one um, storyline for the Sunday Sharks this season was Tomas Hurdle, obviously. Okay, uh, moving on. Evander Kane, we'll, we'll spend a little brief time on this. So after the broadcast and during the broadcast, prior to the broadcast, uh, not only were the, were the, you know, the TV guys for the Sharks saying Evander Kane's name, they weren't afraid to say it this time around, um, but they actually were saying how by not having on the team, the Sharks suffered with scoring. So, um, 
I think last time we I checked overall goals for they're like fifth worst in the league. And I think when it's even straight, they're like worst overall, if I'm not mistaken. Anyways, all that to say is, um, you know, we kept being, we were kept, we kept being told that it was the lack of depth scoring, which is something else we'll go into in a little bit. But I honestly think, um, personally, you know, I, I think that the whole Evander Kane issue could have been handled differently. Regardless of of how you feel about whatever happened off the ice, that's not what I'm here to talk about. Um, and I'm also gonna, not going to act like, or I'm not going to acknowledge that there, you know, is some of that stuff outside of of the locker room and outside the game seeping through. You know, obviously it's going to affect the organization one way or another, whether it's the players in the locker room or the fan base outside of the building, right? Anyways, um, but the point I'm trying to get at is uh, the one thing that he was, which no one wanted to give him credit for. This is all I want to say about Brandon Kane. But the one thing that he was that nobody wanted to give him credit for was, you know, he, he is what they call like in the video game. He was an X factor. Okay. He changed games. You know, Timo Meyer, who scored five goals in the game this year recorded the fastest hat trick in franchise history, scoring the three goals the fastest in the first period. Right before he did that, just a couple of seasons back, that was Evander Kane's record. Okay, all that to say is the guy scores. He scores, and he has an impact on the ice. All right, and the one, the one thing, the one thing that I could have cared less about this season as a Sharks fan was having somebody else's dirty laundry paraded on to the fan base. Because that's what it really, really was. You know, the target audience is the fan base. And I could care less about hearing the dirty laundry. Especially during a time period where it's practically like... It's it's at a point where, like, it hasn't even been determined if it's factual or not. You know what I'm saying? Like, if the information that's being presented out to the general public actually has any uh, merit to it or any kind of, like... And I'm not saying that it doesn't. I'm just simply saying, like, um, you had a bunch of randoms coming out of the cuts, like a like a witch hunt, pardon me for uh, a lack of better terms, uh, for for Evander Kane, and I couldn't understand with the way these stories that were coming out with him. I, I came across some of those stories, and I was disgusted. More or less disgusted in the details that were allowed to be presented to the public. And the fact that it wasn't, like, kept privately. I mean, that's just my own opinion. I could care less if he seen his dirty laundry. With that to decide... The one thing that really just kind of irked me this season is how they try to act like Evander Kane wasn't a superstar or he wasn't a game changer or that he didn't deserve to be in the NHL. I think that was just a little absurd. I really do. And look at look at him now. He's playing with one of the best, one of the best players in the world in Edmonton. All right. And he's on the starting lineup and in the 
whatever 30, just a little bit over 30 games he has, he's had an impact. His hat trick clinched a playoff berth for his new squad, our division rivals. So that's all I want to say about Evander Kane this season. You know, take take what take what you want with with his personal life. Or, you know, whatever opinion you want to have for for all that stuff, whatever you know issues he may have had with previous clubs in the past. You know, that's all on you. I could care less about that personally. But the one thing that I did not appreciate was how they try to act like you know he wasn't the caliber of player which he was, and that's all I gotta say. All right. Um, you know, I know a lot of people like to talk about character and they like to talk about, you know, being a great human being. Well, you know, I've seen a lot of players, hockey players are marketed like that. Like literally, like that was their, their gimmick, if you will. And, um, you know, what did they do on the ice? They, they continuously went out there and, you know, they were, they're goons essentially. All right, and then there was also a player on Akuda who we're not going to spend much time on, but this man, during hockey time, okay, during I mean on a rink during a game, probably did one of the most disgusting gestures you could ever do, or reportedly, obviously I'm not there to confirm, but long story short is he was reinstated in the AHL. So I don't, I, you know, personal, you know, whatever personal opinions you want to have about the quality of. Of uh, you know, the quality person that Evander Kane may or may have not been, that's that's on your own. But just know that the Sharks have had players on their squad that were marketed to be like these great people, and then all they did was go out there and like punch guys in the head. And then you've also had um, you know, players. You know, you get the point. There's no point in repeating it over again. Okay. Long story short is, is Evander Kane is a great player, and um, yeah, you know what I mean. I, I'm I'm glad to see that they finally acknowledged that his absence on the Sharks was a you know a big um, you know his absence was a casualty in the goals for department. All right, moving on. Um, so Eric Carlson, speaking of casualties, gosh. This guy cannot stay healthy. I was an EK65 believer. I really was. Um, nothing feels more ecstatic as a hockey fan, as a sports fan. I think in general, doesn't matter, doesn't matter uh, where you are. So we're gonna transcend some sports here, okay? Being in the Bay Area, but if you're into basketball, it'd be like Clay and Curry, or Steph and Clay. Pardon me. You know what I'm saying? Um, if you were a 49er fan during the era when they had Patrick Willis and Navarro Bowman, okay, um, sounds like sharks, you know, Brent Burns, Eric Carlson, two Norris defensemen, um, winning or two Norris trophy, def- um, winning defensemen, AKA two of the best defensemen in the league were on our squad. I was an EK 65 believer. Okay, I I felt like the line hasn't been, it hadn't been that stacked since probably 2009, the 2008-2009 season. Like, that's how I felt when we first acquired Carlson, you know, with with Brent Burns in terms of, you know, being world-class players. 
unfortunately, like most of you out there, um, you know, you, we're not seeing it. When he wants to play, okay, when, when he has that gear turned on, he's one of the best best players on the ice. Uh, you, you, there's there's no doubt. Uh, unfortunately, we just haven't seen him on the ice. Um, this guy has been with us for four years now, five seasons, four seasons. Anyways, and he's hurt in every single one of them. So uh, some players out there, I mean, some fans out there, you know, they kind of look at Carlson and they think, okay, you're one of the contracts that cost us Pavelski. That's the other thing I want to talk about right now really quick. I just want to re uh, reinforce, you know, the whole thing I've been saying all season. Uh, Pavelski made his choice, okay? He decided to be a star. All right. But um, a lot, of, a lot of fans felt that Carlson or Kane that those two contracts cost us um, Joe Pavelski. Um, I don't think so. But anyways, um, but yeah, you know, so there, and there's some, there's some kind of like um, the point I'm making that comment is, you know, like for for some in Sharks territory, when you talk of Eric Carlson, there's no sympathy, there's no f's given, like they don't care. It's like, you know, this guy costs us our captain. He hasn't played on the ice. He got injured, including during a pivotal series that essentially cost us a chance to go to another Stanley Cup final. Um, so, um, I, I mean, I was surprised he kind of came back, to be honest with you. I'm surprised he came back um, for the short amount of time he did after he got injured a couple months ago. I think a few episodes back, I declared that, oh yeah, this guy's done for the season. And you know, he came back and he played like a, like a little bit under a dozen games, and gone again. Anyways, um, so yeah, I feel like if any player, if any player out of those four that I mentioned earlier are going to be on the trade block the soonest, it's got to be Ek sixty five. You know, as great as a player as he is, I, I mean, it's pretty obvious that it's costing the Sharks way too much. And I think it's time to start exploring the teams that he has on his, you know, no, uh, you know, on his, like, you know, no trade clause or no movement clause or whatever. Like, it's time to look into those squads. And, you know, the same might be said for Logan Couture. Um, you know, here are two players where I feel like, and okay, and I ain't trying to put words in his mouth because Logan Couture just the other week said that you know all he knows is San Jose and he loves playing here and he loves being here. That's true. Well, that's true. Those are those are some great words to live by, and I believe them. But I mean, who knows? Who who knows? I mean, you have some players that say things when they feel like you know they're on the line, and you have um you know like like you know just a week prior from that. He was talking about how he's getting too old to be missing the playoffs consistently. So, I mean, I don't know. It's hot and cold when it comes to, you know, reading the captain. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, um, these are two guys where the production is dropping. And then you got Burns. I think Burns is worth keeping. I really do. I know he's the oldest out of the, out of the bunch. You know, but I think Burns is worth keeping. Vlasic. I really don't see any problem with Vlasic. Outside of the fact that he may be holding a spot down that should be used for some of our younger talent. I mean, I think as a player, and in terms of his contract, I think it's deserved. And, you know, everything matches up. I think, you know, I don't think the Sharks are getting ripped off. 
from the Vlasic contract. I really don't think so. But um, those are the four players that I'm expecting to see move soon. And with Carlson being hurt consistently, I mean, he has not had a single season with the Sharks healthy. He has not played 82 games, which is a lot to ask for, for a player. It really is. I mean, anyone to play 82 games this um, in this era of hockey is, um, you know, it's got to be like, you know, world class in terms of like, keep, you know, keeping their body uh energized and rejuvenated and healthy but um yeah this this i mean i don't know i really don't know um like how his body heals are you know if he's going to come back even better so to speak but this is what i do know he's been with us for four years and he's played 211 games Okay, so I don't know. Do the math. I'm thinking the one guy that should be on the block the soonest is the one who doesn't really, um, you know, sh- hasn't spent much time with the team. I hate to say it that way, but anyways. Uh, so yeah, uh, if you're joining us late, it's really late, by the way. It's already like one in the morning here in Shark City. Uh, but if you're joining us late, this is the final episode covering the 2021-2022 season. Essentially, we're just reflecting on the major storylines of what was the San Jose Sharks' uh, 31st season in, in the National Hockey League. Uh, so far, we talked about Tomas Hurdle and his uncertainty leading to an eight-year extension to an extended stay, right? And then we've talked about, you know, Vander Kane and, you know, perception and value and pretty much how the Sharks are now finally admitting that by not having Vander Kane, the um, the offense has suffered. Um, just finished up a little quick um, soapbox about how Eric Carlson essentially is, you know, he's the stealthiest Shark of them all. And uh, we're going to cover a couple more topics and what is going to be our final um, episode. By all means, if you're watching, uh, you know, covering the season, that is. If you're watching on YouTube, if you're watching on Twitch, um, Instagram, or Facebook, drop a comment. Um, otherwise, you know, enjoy enjoy the show as uh, we continue on with reflecting on what was the season. Um, so I talked about bust. That was the whole point of bringing up Eric Carlson and I also mentioned Aiden Hill. At the top of the program, I mentioned about Aiden Hill and Eric Carlson being the two busts this season. Um, Aiden Hill, I think, is the biggest bust of them all. All right, it's like night and day. It really is. Um, Aiden Hill and James Reimer. Like, James Reimer undoubtedly was the MVP. I mean, you know, I guess he's the media good guy. <laughs> You know, you know what, you know what, I feel like, and don't get me wrong, you know, Hurdle and Meyer and etc. you know, they are all deserving. They are all deserving of MVP recognition. But honestly, if we didn't have James Reimer, we would have had nobody in net. Where has Hill gone? Hill has somehow found a way to be even stealthier than EK65, and he's only been with us for one year. I mean, 
it's crazy how many times the story for Hill has been he showed up to training camp or he showed up to practice and he's took a couple of shots on, you know, in net and that was it. I mean, I really hope I really hope that he is okay and that he didn't like sustain a significant injury that was just kind of reaggravated throughout the entire year. I mean, I really hope that's not the case. Personally, and I'm just going to, you know, throw my personal opinion out there, and it's nothing new. I've said it before on this program. I honestly don't think he wants to play in San Jose. I really don't. Anyways, we'll go into that again, or we'll revisit that again in just a moment. But to keep the whole, um, you know, conversation or the perspective fresh, um, he, he is definitely not worth the second round pick, in my opinion, which will now be. Um, like the 11th overall in the draft. Let me just make sure I'm doing my counting here right. Yep, 11th. At this point, there's only one more game remaining in the NHL for the 2021-2022 season. That'll be tomorrow against... Excuse me, that's not for us. That's tomorrow for uh, Seattle Kraken and the Winnipeg Jets. Um, So... Uh, the Kraken, speaking of which, um, San Jose Sharks just finished off their season playing them. And <laughs> just the other episode, episode 30, I was mentioning how I was more I was more hyped and I was more um, you know, pumped for this game, the final game of the season, than I than I really was for the whole Vegas Golden Knights series or um game just a couple of days ago. Um, long story short is, you know, the only thing that made that Vegas game great was, you know, manifest in that game seven energy and, you know, kind of having the same fashion with history repeating itself and all that nostalgia, nostalgia and everything old is new again, etc. But, um, the reason why I cared more about the Seattle Kraken matchup was this was a new hockey team. This is their inaugural season. We do not need another team showing up in the Pacific thinking that they can own the Sharks. And that's exactly what has happened. Not only did the Seattle Kraken shut us out in our final game, defeating us 3-0, to zero, but we became the only team, which is now the first time, you know, the first team for them to ever beat three times in the season. That means... That the Seattle Kraken, out of every opponent they faced this season, <laughs> they owned us, essentially. They defeated us three times. So, man. Anyways, I'm a little worrisome about that. You know, right now, the Sharks are kind of going through this phase where they're still trying to figure out who they are. Um... And I don't think it's more or less like not knowing who they are as a squad or a club or as individual players. I think it's more or less has to do with like figuring out where they're going. And when you don't know where you're going, that might question, you know, like what you're doing. Anyways, um, but with that, all, all that to say is, you know, I think that rivalry will start to amplify when the Sharks start finding some success because that was probably the biggest. You know, I know a lot of people like to focus on Vegas because they essentially got like um, handed like 
and the Dream Team. I mean, their expansion draft was probably the closest to like fantasy hockey draft in reality that you'll ever get. You know, our closest to reality is that you'll ever get. So that actually happened in real life. But um, so I, I get it. But for us, you know, the Sharks were, you know, we're competing for a cup. We were in the conference finals a couple of times, you know, so we were a very competitive team when we met those uh, Knights who are finally for their first time in existence missing the playoffs. Um, but the point I'm trying to get at is, you know, they caught us at a time when we were competitive. So, of course, that rivalry uh, was instant. You know what I'm saying? Uh, right now, Seattle, they're, they're catching us at a time where we're playing like an expansion team. So, um, it's going to be one of those things where, you know, both squads are going to start, in my opinion, you know, as they build themselves and figure out where they are, that rivalry will start to, you know, um, manifest its own energy and, you know, its own special moments. But all that to say is I was hoping that the Sharks would come away with the victory. Um, didn't happen that way. And, you know, that's pretty much how most of the 2021-2022 season went down. Uh, back to Aiden Hill. Thank you for um, everyone who's sticking around, and for all for all of those who are enjoying this um, this show on your favorite podcast platform. Um, thank you as well. I want to forget about all y'all out there, uh, regardless if you listen live or on demand, so to speak. So um, Aiden Hill was not worth the second round pick. Okay, uh, that's that that's a bust for me. I feel like. He did not want to play in San Jose from the beginning. I, I really do. Um, maybe maybe he was feeling it, and all that promise he was showing uh, showing in Arizona was because maybe he, you know, for some reason that club, that franchise, maybe that worked for him. But um, as a as a San Jose Sharks fan, strictly as a fan speaking here, my overall impression of Aiden Hill is he doesn't want to play in San Jose. He shows up. Well, you know, he doesn't show up. We acquired him via trade. We sent over a second round pick and, uh, you know, Yosef uh, Koshinov. And, um, you know, we got, I believe, a fifth in exchange. I could be wrong in that. My bad. It's a little late. But, anyways, um, point I'm trying to get at is, you know, the first thing he does is he files for uh, arbitration. So, you know, he's essentially saying, um, pay me what I deserve or I'm going to go to. Uh, Free agency. So, you know, you have a mediator who comes in and they determine the worth of the player and the value of the contract. So it is something that meets or, or that's, you know, agreeable for both the player and the club. And that's exactly what happened. Um, you know, he was showing some promise. He, he looked great early on in the season. I want to give him some credit, okay? Because when he plays, he, he plays great. All right, he's, he plays outstanding. I mean, he scored, you know, he went and he, he topped. Um, he, well, I don't want to say topped. I think he tied. Uh, Vesa Toscola, he had two assists in the game. Like, he was he was making some headlines, all right? He was doing some cool things in uh, San Jose that that uh, Sharks fans have, haven't seen in a minute. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, that was refreshing. That was exciting. And, you know, it just all kind of, like, what, pardon the, the pun and the expression, but downhill 
from there. It was started as an uphill battle for opponents, became a, a downhill battle for Aiden. And I don't even know if that's fair to say because, you know, of injuries and stuff. But to, um, the, the, you know, the point I'm trying to make is I felt like, you know, outside of the whole, um, you know, health aspect of it being injured or whatever is, um, is, you know, James Reimer just started to get hot. So for the games that Hill wasn't playing in, Reimer was like following, following whatever performances that Hill was doing, Reimer was following up um, just as good, if not better. And, you know, it became apparent early on, especially with some of the games that Hill was not um, playing his best hockey in, it became very apparent early on that James Reimer was not just um, competing to be the starting goaltender of San Jose, but that he deserved and he was earning the starting goaltending position in San Jose. Um, so for me personally, early on in the season, I was thinking like, okay, why did we send a second round pick Arizona's way when we found our starting goaltender and, and during the free agency, you know, we found him in the free agent. Um, in the free agent pool. So that was my also initial reaction to why Aiden Hill may have filed for arbitration because it's like, Hey, uh, you guys traded for me and I am supposed to be, you know, the future slash starting goaltender. And here you guys are going back to the past with James Reimer and you're paying him a little bit more than me. <laughs> I'm going to, you know, file arbitration and get what I deserve because I deserve to get paid. That's the way I take it. You know, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just reacting as a fan, okay? But, um, and when I say I don't know what I'm talking about, what I mean is like, you know, I don't know the details. I'm not in those rooms. I'm not there negotiating. I'm not there in the arbitration process or whatever, right? I'm just simply saying my impression as a fan. But, um, yeah, it's like, that's what it felt like. But the season went on and, it seems like he was ready to play. He played. He plays a game. He plays a game. I think at, at one point he, he shows up. He posts a shutout. And then he was hurt immediately after. It was like we got to see little glimpses of him as the season went on. But more or less, like, you know, he, he was just gone. And I don't know. I, I'm kind of, you know, I was so skeptical about him just because of the whole arbitration thing from the start. And uh, sometimes I kind of feel like it's like, you know, he's going out there and he's like showing up and he's showing, he's, he's showing out or whatever, balling out. And it's kind of like a calling card, right? It's kind of like in, in, in preseason uh, in any sport, whether it's, you know, spring training for, for baseball or preseason for football or even, you know, hockey as well. It's like, you know, these guys are, they're playing these games. And even though they may not make, they may not make it with the teams that they are on currently. Doesn't mean that other teams um, out there that are watching are not interested, I guess. That's what I'm trying to get at. <clears throat> so, pardon me. So, yeah. It doesn't surprise me that Aiden Hill's name is being thrown around as potentially being traded. Considering that the Sharks acquired Capo Kakinen. And with Capo Kakinen getting the final start for the Sounds of Sharks this season... I feel like it symbolizes two things, personally. I mean, I know um, it was being presented to us on the TV during the broadcast that this is like a chance for these players 
to kind of like, you know, own the moment, finish off on a, you know, on a good note or, you know, um, you know, like kind of like redefine their name before the season, set the tone or whatever going into next season. But um, honestly, I think, I think with the capital cacking and getting the start, I think it's just a symbol of how he is going to be a part of our future. I mean, that's just, that's just my opinion. Um, so just to revisit, uh, local newspaper sales and Mercury news, um, they have reported that they believe that James Reimer will get the nod, um, to, as a starting goaltender and that Aiden Hill essentially will be, um, the one that, um, moves via transaction. The athletic is the reverse of that. The athletic believes Aiden Hill and Kapokakinen stay in San Jose and Reimer because of his great play this season becomes the goaltender whose value will be, um, you know, his trade values essentially, you know, is at the best you could probably get it at. Um, assuming that they don't just release one of these goaltenders altogether, which wouldn't make sense. I mean, it wouldn't make sense to release Aiden Hill after sending a second rounder, um, you know, in Arizona's direction for him or, you know, in exchange for him. This wouldn't make sense to me. And it wouldn't make sense to deal with Kapokakin and you just acquired him. So, um, those of you out there saying, well, that's pretty easy then. It's James Reimer. Um, not so much. I don't think you cut Reimer. He's the media good guy. <laughs> That's what this whole uh, this whole bit was working toward. Uh, so, uh, three things. Number one, I think the media good guy title, I said the MVP for James Reimer, is kind of playing it safe for the Sharks organization. They're kind of keeping their options open because you know if you if you declare James Reimer as the team's MVP, and then you decide later on that it's best to keep Hill and Kakanen and you know get rid of Reimer well then you're gonna have the fan base wondering well why you just get rid of the MVP so the media good guy is kind of like you know it's like a you're acknowledging his outstanding season without putting too much emphasis on you know how important he was to the team this year anyways um, like you know Anyways, uh, now on the other hand, with Aiden Hill, I don't think you release him. I think you trade him. And whether or not you're going to get draft picks for him uh, via maybe a couple of um, mid-rounders, I don't know if it'll be for the upcoming draft, but maybe, you know, um, a third-round draft pick and a fourth-round draft pick, or maybe two-thirds. Maybe we get something this season and, and something for the next. I think that's probably the best way to salvage the whole um, situation with Aiden Hill, assuming he's the one on the move, uh, which would make sense to me. I think James Reimer would be the one that you keep. He's earned it. He's played. He's showed up. Um, and he's been the reliable goaltender. And I think he would be the one, with all due respect, that would make sense naturally for one of these younger goaltenders to, um, as in, you know, Kakinen. And then, you know, we have Mann. And we have... Uh, uh, ben Godrow out there, Goodrow out there. I mean, the talent for Sharks uh, net mining is it's 
it's almost limitless. You know what I'm saying? But um, again, my ace in the hole is Zach Sochenko. But back to the point. Um, I think you know. You you trade him for some draft picks, and and that's how could, maybe you could salvage it. Um, or may, maybe a player. But I think Aiden Hill goes. I really do. And I'm just gonna end it at that. I think we spent enough time on this uh, on this storyline for the season. Uh, so yeah, Doug Wilson stepped down. Uh, his legacy and his future. It's all, um, you know. I mean, we'll start with him stepping down. So this season, you know, that's that's gonna be another one of those, you know, storylines that's gonna be very overwhelming for the thirty-first year of Sounds Like Sharks hockey. Is uh, Doug Wilson? So. Uh, Doug, I mean, Doug Wilson is San Jose Sharks, regardless if you, you know, how you feel about him as a GM or how you feel about his recent transactions these past few years. Um, Doug Wilson is San Jose Sharks. Okay. He was the first captain of the team and he was the general manager that put the San Jose Sharks on the map with, you know, his transactions, acquiring Joe Thornton. You know, from you know, from that all the way to you know, leading us to you know, or you know, assembling a team that got us to the Stanley Cup Finals. I mean, Doug Wilson is San Jose Sharks, and you know, he was supposed to have a ceremony to honor his um, Hall of Fame induction as a player, and that was postponed obviously because he's been dealing with some health issues. So um, I guess we've got to say you know, all of our prayers are being sent your way, Dougie. We here in Sharks territory, especially here at Shark City, hope that, you know, whatever it is you're dealing with, that, um, you know, we hope for a speedy recovery, uh, wishing you all the best health. And, you know, looking forward to seeing you back in the NHL because I feel like Doug Wilson is going to be back in the NHL. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of questions surrounding um, you know surrounding him in the club. Um, in terms of like, you know, I, I didn't want to say this, and I, this is something I was aware of, and I didn't want to say this, but I'm just going to say it now because it was kind of put out there on the broadcast. But there's a lot of uncertainty uncertainty um, with the Sharks organization right now because when a new general manager comes in, they usually like to put their own people into certain places whether it be uh you know the tv broadcast to even like you know personnel equipment crew okay you name it um this is something i was aware of and um i I, you know i'm just gonna leave it at that but essentially you know you you have a lot of people (laughs) you have a lot of people at the tank all right who are with the club who are wondering like hey you know will we be back next season Will we be back once, you know, they decide um, we're going to bring in a new GM? And, you know, Curtis Brown said it himself, even on the TV. You know, um, it, it may sound like good entertainment, a good joke, but that's some genuine, that's some genuine stuff going on right there. I mean, um, you know, if a new GM comes in, they might want their own people in place. Anyways, and that's all I'll say without getting too much into, you know, um, into, you know, all those details. But what I'm trying to get at is, you know, uh, Doug Wilson has a legacy here. Um, you know, he's been here for the better part of the last 20 years. And, 
there's a lot of people out there outside of just who we see, you know, in hockey operation, you know, I mean, you know, hockey front office and hockey team and all that stuff. You know, there's a lot of people where, you know, Doug Wilson, you know, his legacy has affected them here in San Jose. And, um, yeah, you know, um, I don't have a problem with Doug Wilson as a general manager. I never have. And, um, honestly, I don't think his time in NHL is over. As a matter of fact, I mean, again, I'm hoping all the best health and I'm hoping this comment doesn't, um, age poorly as they say, but honestly, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he was just on a vacation, you know, <laughs> from my understanding, he's staying in Arizona. And from my understanding, according to some of the, uh, you know, some of the insiders and, you know, some of the uh, news that's circulating out there in the world of hockey, um, there might, you know, he may be supposedly, he may be um, up for consideration for another title higher than general manager. So, you know, um, maybe, you know, whatever, whatever it is that he's dealing with, hopefully, you know, that, you know, whatever it is, hopefully it's not serious and, Whatever it may be, you know, hopefully uh, once he's improved sooner rather than later, um, we get to see exactly what that next step in his career is. All I know is that that state where he's residing at right now is having its own problems, you know, with with trying to keep the organization, you know, uh, stable or steady. And there are people in that front office that have ties to the city of San Jose. Okay. So, I mean, I don't know from the organization that I heard that he may be, um, interviewing for, I believe it's, you know, true North, North of the border up in Canada, but I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised to see him, you know, um, rolling in a higher position with, with another team. Um, Probably before the beginning of the next season. Anyways. So, uh, thank you, Doug Wilson, for your legacy in San Jose. And best luck to you in your future. And, um, you know, uh, all, all of our prayers are with you right now while you um, are dealing with whatever it is that you're dealing with. Nobody knows. Okay. Um, what everybody is hoping for, what everybody thinks they know, is that uh, the Bob Bugner... Uh, situation in San Jose is, um, you know, it isn't going away anytime soon. It isn't. Um, so, you know, that was the other, um, I mean, I think that was one of the, even though they tried their best to sweep it under the carpet, they really did. They really did. They, they try to keep it under wraps, but that was one of the probably, um, other storylines of the season is the fact that, you know, Bob Bugner is, you know, still the coach of this, you know, he's still the head coach of the Southie Sharks. <laughs> oh my bad. Um, I believe when he reached his 100th game, which he did this season, when he reached his 100th game, he, um, he was like at 40% win percentage I think it was like 38 to be honest I might be a little wrong on the figures again 
Um, we're recording this live. We've been broadcasting for almost an hour now as we reflect on the 2021-2022 season. And, um, you know, so, some of the statistics might start to get a little fuzzy at this point. It's currently uh, 1.38 here in San Jose, California. And um, that's the morning time, by the way. So, yeah, um, back to Bob Boogner and his extended stay in San Jose. Uh, so this is his first season. First season, 82 games. 82 games, as we mentioned earlier, uh, Sharks with 32-37-13. and 13. They had 77 points. That's a .47 win percentage. Uh, it's an improvement. It's an improvement. Um, his first season, it was 41, almost 42, if you want to round up 42%. Um, same thing. It was 43, if you want to round up 44% last season. Of course, COVID affected uh, both seasons. 37 games for 2019-2020 when he took over as interim head coach after they released Peter DeBoer. Uh, named the head coach officially, and in 2020-2021, that season started late in January of 2021, um, and there's 56 games. All right, he won 21 of those games as a head coach, and this season, 32. So 14 wins, 21 wins, 32 wins. Okay. Uh, three years of San Jose, so that's now one more year longer than he was in Florida. All right, and he had more wins in Florida. Now, granted, it probably could be attributed to the fact that he had full seasons. <laughs> but um, bottom bottom line is, um, right now he's forty five percent win percentage with the Sharks, one hundred and seventy five games as a head coach. 67 wins. 23 were losses in overtime. Okay. Um, so essentially, you know, if it was, if, you know, it went the Sharks way for those 23 times, now you're talking about like an 80 game uh, win column. But it wasn't. So um, I think that's something we just have to mention or I have to mention really quick because that's kind of one of the things that they're trying to drive this season. Um, I'm I'm not buying it. I'm sorry. I'm just not buying it. I mean, it is what it is. There's nothing I could do to refute the the actual like stats or, you know, the game. But what, one of those things is uh, that they're trying to say is this season, the Sharks took certain teams to the distance. The Sharks took teams that were like playoff contenders or, you know, um, like essentially they took them and they're like one goal games and you know they're very close games and you know that's what they're trying to say when the depth scoring could have kicked in but honestly i mean just like we mentioned in the previous um episode uh with the whole 113 system you're not really doing too much to like you're not committing uh personnel to uh to the offense of side of the things and that could be another reason why uh offensive scoring lacked this season um, you know, the one one three, you are literally sending one of your forwards to play defense. Anyways. Um, so all I'm trying to get at is, you know, when you tell me as a fan that the difference between sharks are I mean that the sharks, like, you know, the the difference between 
the season being what it is and what it could have been was like a one goal game and that we're going to distance and it was so close. Well, to me, it's like, well, change the freaking strategy then. Maybe go 3-2. Maybe go 1-3-1. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Maybe a little bit riskier to keep one defender back. But it makes, a, it makes a whole lot more sense than just, you know, hoping to feed one guy. Uh, anyways, I'm not going to get into all that right now because it's a little late. But essentially what I'm trying to get at is, like, tweak your offense. You know, pick up the, the pressure on the forecheck. Maybe try another, you know, maybe try weak, you know, weak side or, um, you know, may, maybe try to contain the puck carrier. Maybe try to, you know, get a, um, you know, c- really quick. The one one three is meant to try to drive the puck carrier toward two defensemen. Okay. Um, from my understanding, that used to be called a puck side attack. Um, but long story short is, you know, if, if the difference is, is these one goal games and that's the difference between essentially maybe winning games and making the playoffs and not, well then the simple solution would be to tweak the offensive pressure or the defensive formation, AKA maybe commit three forwards, you know, like maybe go to three, two. It's, it's, it's easy for me to say this behind the mic on a chair watching from a TV screen, right? I mean, it's another to be on the ice, laced up in skates, having world-class class athletes coming at you full charge, right? Okay, so I know how obnoxious and ignorant it might sound for someone not in the game to make that suggestion. I'm completely aware of that, being a fan. But with that being said, I think it's pretty rational to say, and not illogical, it's not, it's not far-fetched to say, that if a one goal difference decides your outcome, then you know up the pressure, up the aggression, up your forecheck, change your formation, change your strategy, even if it's just for a moment, right? Anyways, all I have to say is, and and I've said this earlier, it's it's no secret. I feel like Sharks are definitely coasting through this season. Definitely coasting through this season. I felt like they were playing um, reserved. Anyways, but uh, the Bob Booner experience gets 82 games this season, and a lot of a lot of fans are, are starting to make comments as stories are circulating now. As you know, he's saying, "Oh, um, you know, the stories that are out there right now are saying, oh, well, his." They're not necessarily saying his. Future is uncertain, but they're not saying it's secured. Okay, so what you're saying is he wasn't like told, like, like, hey, for sure you're coming back next year. You know what I mean? Okay, that's that's what that story sounds like to me. Like, I didn't get you know like a confirmation. Like, okay, I'll be here, but I, I don't think it's one of those situations where that's even even the case. I'm pretty sure. Um, that Bob Udner and Joe Will know exactly where they stand with each other. Now, obviously, this is a decision for the next general manager to make. And please, please make me a believer. Prove me wrong, please. I, I, I'm really, I really hope you do. But this doesn't seem this GM search that the Sharks are about to, um, you know, 
open up next week. I don't think this is going to be something that's going to be like quick and done. Um, I think this is going to be rather extensive going into next season. Maybe the middle of next season. Maybe the end of next season. Sounds a little absurd. Right? Now again, I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm not in these meetings. All I could do is, you know, come to my conclusions based off the information that's presented to me. And a lot of this information is is spoken, you know. You could, you could hear it from, like, the mouths of of the guys in the front office right now. I mean, they're saying that this squad that we have currently is going to take the charge and the lead in the draft and during the free agency period. So to me, that sounds like it's leading up to, you know, leading up into the preseason, right? Also, it makes zero sense, absolute zero sense to try to look for a head coach while you don't even have a GM. That GM is obviously going to have to play a part in the hiring process, right? I mean, if the Sharks want to be bold enough and do like a deal like the Niners did and bring in the GM and the coach at the same time, whatever, you know, that that would be pretty exciting. Um, but nonetheless, I don't think the head coach is going to go and then be replaced before the GM, that's for sure. So, long story short is the real question isn't, is Bob Boodner going to be with us next season? It's going to be whether or not, um, or it's going to be how long it's going to take for the sound of the Sharks to find a GM, because until that happens, you know, Bob Boodner, in my opinion, you know, his job's secure. Um, he's already been approved of a lot of, he gets a lot of praise, and you can hear it too. You hear it, um, especially the last few broadcasts these past couple of weeks. A lot of praise about Bob Booner and the job he's doing and the staff, and they deserve the praise. I mean, come on. His staff, you know, you have John Madden, you know, um, you have your other coaches, but, I mean, you have some Sharks alumni in there. You have Nabokov, Richie, you know what I'm saying? So it's like... Um, you know, you're getting exactly what you, what you'd expect to get from um, you know, that collection of coaching. And I don't mean that in any disrespect or not. I'm just simply saying that obviously the Sharks need that next level coach, that next level um, you know, um, staff. So, anyways, um, but yeah, why do I feel like Bob Boone is going to be? here with us even more is, you know, even though they try to change the tune and the stories um, today, I'm sure we'll find out a little bit more when they do their final uh, presser. Um, I, I think that's tomorrow. I, I may be, I may be, or today at this point, right? But anyways, what I'm trying to get at is, um, you know, he's already made comments. He's made comments on the Sharks Audio Network. You could probably find these on on what on your favorite podcast platform as well. But he, he did an interview um, following the whole announcement of the Sharks playing overseas. And again, I, I mentioned this in the previous in the previous uh, pod, but he has this itinerary, okay? I mean, the guy's talking about travel plans. He's talking about making adjustments, where they're going to stay, etc. How how they'll do when they get back and what's going to be like. And I mean, come on. Just, just, uh, just yesterday after post-game, or I mean, before excuse me, before the game, before the pregame, um, you know, he did an interview before the game, and he talked about that one-one-three system, and he talked about how you know they're going to keep building upon it, and and they and it works, and they want to keep using it. 
these aren't the words of someone who who thinks like, oh, I'm not too sure if my job if I still have a job next season. You know, this is a guy who's already looking into like October and November, like what the club's gonna do. Like they're talking about their systems, they're talking about um, you know, like overseas and what the action plan's gonna be and etc. So I mean, I really, I really would be shocked to see Bob Booner's name on a headline of being fired from the Sound of the Sharks this summer. And that's all I'm going to say. I mean, the only thing I could think of is if the Sharks could find a way to hire a general manager before the end of this year in 2022, like right before the winter. And it just happens to coincide with a great head coach being available. I know a lot of you out there are going to drop names on who's available now and who's been available all season. Um, But, you know, obviously that's going to be something that the GM's going to ultimately have to decide. So all that to say, Bob Booner is going to be the Sound of the Sharks next season. I mean, he's saying the words, you know, we started something here, we'd like to finish it. I mean, to me, that's like pretty much telling you blatantly right in front of your face. I'm not finished with my job here. I'm not finished doing the work. I mean, I'm telling you, I firmly believe that, you know, this guy has been hired to take on, you know, unfortunately what is going to be like some of the, 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 the toughest grind, you know, grindy years. You know what I mean? Like it just so happens to be that the sharks are in this, in this, um, you know, they're they're in between this. They're in this point in time where like they have to do the you have to take the appropriate measures to to make sure that your franchise is successful. You know, um, for the next ten years, right, or for the next five years, and the roster that we have now and the players, etc., it just wasn't happening. So, you know, the bore is gone. Um, obviously, they lost key players prior to that. And then everything that's followed. I mean, Martin Jones, that obviously had to happen. That had to, that had to, uh, you know, that was something that had to happen. And um, while we're on that topic, even though that was last year, um, you know, he actually, he actually didn't do too bad. He really didn't do too bad. I mean, technically he did a little better than he did last season. Um, in San Jose, I think his save percentage was like at, 900 now which is like the first time in like three seasons i think three four seasons so martin jones uh, you know he he was a pretty solid goaltender i just think the guys around him are playing exactly like they were playing now like how they play around reimer or how they play around kakinen or how they play around hill when hill plays (laughs) anyways um so you know there's another guy who i felt like was kind of like um kind of like an expendable it's like it it became obvious that these contracts weren't going to help the sharks get to where they needed to be um to be competitive and i think you know that's where and again i'm just kind of you know again i'm just totally you know fan fan opinion here okay this is my own personal opinion okay but i felt like you know a lot of these guys, they already kind of determined 
and like who has to go. I felt like a couple of years ago they knew, okay, Martin Jones has to go, Evander Kane has to go, Vlasic has to go, Carlson has to go, and maybe even you could say Vlasic. I know everyone's talking about Burns. He's the oldest one out there with like a huge contract. I think Burns deserves it. I think he earns it. I really do. I mean, you got to keep him there with Hurdle and maybe Meyer. We'll see. But the the, the whole point I'm, I'm mentioning those names is I felt like they knew which contracts were not were working against the team and were not going to leave them a lot of options to to, to build like an adequate competitive team. Because, you know, you could have all those players on the squad and, you know, you could have quote-unquote depth players, like, you know, those depth forwards. Whether or not they're skilled players is another is another thing. And if they're not skilled players, then you'll hear people complain about the lack of depth scoring. Okay? I mean, that's just obvious. So, the Sharks, they're skilled players when it comes to deaf forwards are on the CUDA or in Sweden. So hopefully this season the Sharks incorporate those guys. I mean I, I've been saying this, you know, and pardon me for having like a lack of, you know, uh words to trying to express um what I'm seeing. But like a lot of the things that I see with these players, these young cats, the Brandon Coes, the Bordelos, the Ecklins, etc. You know, Ozzy Weisblatt, um, Raska, you name it, okay? It's their ability to take control of the game with their skills, with their IQ. A lot of these things are not measurable by statistics or analytics. You know, you can't just kind of like, Chalk everything up to like a high danger, low danger, whatever. Like that doesn't tell the whole story of hockey. I mean, just this game with Seattle Kraken, Thomas Bordalo put on quite a show with his deeks. That's hand-eye coordination, puck handling skills. I mean, to quote Rick and Morty, he was getting swifty with it. And... They said that he tried to make a play on a pass that didn't just, that didn't connect when he sent it across the slots toward the boards. That's how the broadcaster seen it. How I seen it is that he was making some moves. He didn't get he didn't create enough space. He realized he didn't create enough space. And rather than throw it on the net and force Himself and the other teammate he had, the other Sharks player down deep, um, to have to start skating backwards to get back to you know the, the you know, neutral zone or to you know have a handle on the blue line to you know prevent entry to the you know to their to their zone. I seen him throw the puck toward the boards to make a sort of off the board pass, meaning, hey. If you could race toward the puck over here, you'll have this whole open ice and we could keep this play alive. Look at it again. All right. Bordelow was really trying to get his first career NHL goal this game, but he also was creating a 
lot of opportunities that otherwise wouldn't have been there if it wasn't for a uh, player with his skill. And the beauty with the Sharks is we have a lot of players with those same abilities, with those same, um, with that same awareness. Um, like all, all just like, you know, playing with our, you know, uh, playing with, with our affiliates in the WHL, OHL, AHL, or overseas, etc. So all that to say, I really do hope that those players get a permanent roster spot because honestly, if we're going to get another year of the one, one, three, if we're going to get another year at the Bugner and, you know, try to make it a little bit more aggressive, then we're just going to get another year of below 50% win percentage on games. And we're going to get probably another year of these awkward scratches, these awkward lineups. I understand that Barabanov did a great job this season. And he did a great job playing and he put up some points. But that guy should have been a second line winger. I do not I mean that's just my opinion. That's just my opinion. Okay. Dolan, on the other hand, Dolan, Meyer, and uh Hurdle. Now I get it. Dolan, he started hot. He cooled off like one goal in 20 or so after like, um, you know, a, almost a dozen or whatever in, you know, whatever amount of time. What I'm trying to get is this is um, he was, I think I haven't checked this past month. I, I'll, I'll say that, but leading up until like February, up until like uh, March, he was still, um, him, Hurdle, and Meyer. That was still one of the best lines that the Sharks had had all season, despite not being, um, you know, um, penciled in with each other. I guess you know, pardon me for la- lack of a of better words or expression here. But the point I get is, he he was he, even on playing on different lines or not being in the lineup. Or you know, even with Barabanov up there with Hurdle and Meyer, Dolan, Hurdle and Meyer was still the most offensive, uh, offensively productive line for the Sharks this season, in regards to goals scored. Okay, I'm not Coach Bugner, I'm not there seeing the action from behind that bench, at that rink level. I'm not seeing the things that they are seeing. I may not even be able to recognize the things that they're seeing. Okay. I'm not a professional NHL head coach, but what you know, but for the things that are measurable, you know, in hockey, it shows that like you know the guys like Dolan, that you know those are players that you want to keep in your lineup, or players like Eklund, who are, you know, who who, who the Sharks are literally blessed to have the fact that he dropped seventh this season, for us to have on the team like. I would think if he was on any other club, he'd probably be playing in the NHL right now. I think he's NHL ready. Okay, so, anyways, what I'm trying to get at with with all with all those um all those uh, references is that if Bugner's here again next season, I wouldn't be shocked to not see the young guys in the lineup as often. I could see guys like Benito, Cogliano, 
um, you know, and all, all these guys who are, you know, like they're just like one, you know, they're, they're here on their tour throughout the NHL. And I don't mean that any disrespect. I'm just simply saying in the last three years, how many one and dones have we seen? How many one and dones have we seen? We had Nate, uh, Stephen Nason, Curtis Gabriel, um, Andrew Cogliano, just to keep it from this season. I mean, I, I could go on. But the but point I'm trying to get is, is, you know, like those guys coming in here and even though, you know, they have that NHL caliber experience or they might meet the profile, the quote-unquote meat and potatoes that this coaching staff likes to look for in their players, um, you know, it seems like Bob Booner is really into physicality. He likes he likes grinders. He likes big guys. Um, he likes playing, you know, the body or whatever. But what I'm trying to get at here is if you keep filling those roster spots and that time, those games played throughout the season to those players who are no longer part of the club, you're you're just robbing, in my opinion, the younger talent who may not be like 100% NHL ready, but they definitely could play in the NHL and they definitely could contribute to the team. You need more proof to the pudding. Just look at that 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 stretch of games when they infused because of protocols this season. They they infused some of the players from the Barracuda, and you had that hybrid team. It's obvious, you know, when when these kids are on the ice, and I'm not too sure what the records are. I think it's 20 goals this season. I could be a little wrong. I might be a little off. The, the numbers a little fuzzy at this hour, but the point I'm trying to get at is. You know, the Sharks had the most rookies that they've had in franchise history play in their first, you know, uh, play this season with the club. And um, the, those rookies accumulated for the most goals, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it, I think it's pretty obvious that these guys are ready to play. And whether or not this is something that the Sharks are doing because it's best for business, you know, get an extra year when it comes to having to negotiate, um, you know, uh, with, with Eklund, or if it has to do with the fact that, hey, you know what, Barracuda is just getting a brand new arena, we got to keep that team competitive, we got to make sure that product is solid, because the last thing you want is two buildings that are not selling out. <laughs> Anyways, but, um, and I'll tell you right now, Daniel Gushin, Adam Raska, um, Gannon LaRock, um, if they could find a way to bring Brandon Coe, um, Ozzy Weisblatt, except I would go to watch CUDA games on a regular if those guys are in a CUDA sweater in that brand new blackout CUDA sweater they just debuted yesterday. I will go to CUDA games on a regular if those guys are in the roster. Just as I'm sure Sharks fans would go to the tank sold out if those guys are on the roster because I've said this earlier this season. I'm going to say it again. I would much rather watch the San Jose Sharks tank with the younger guys on the roster because at least it'll be exciting to see those players grow into, um, you know, like watch them develop as a team and grow as NHL pros than it would be to see all these random guys show up and, and and be gone. You know what I'm saying? I mean, at one point, the Sharks literally 
literally traded for and claimed off of waivers players that were in the AHL and started them, started them on the club. Ryan Dezingle was on the AHL club. Okay, he wasn't even playing in the National Hockey League. He came to, over to the Sharks and got got in the second line. That's a that, that's the second scoring line. That's pretty much starting lineup. It ain't the first, but but it ain't the third. It ain't the fourth. It ain't the checking line. Okay, and then <laughs> again. You know, I know there's some sentiment in this, and you know, it's like a whole, you know, coming back to your old squad. But, but the whole, the whole stay locked thing, man. Like, my goodness, that as a fan, that kind of drove me nuts. That drove me nuts. You know, Alex Staylock was playing the AHL. They traded for him. Um. And he gets to start. He gets to start over Sachenko. And and then look what happens. You know, he's back to the CUDA, of course. Anyways. Just just a just a refresher, a reminder of the, the nonsensical <laughs> game day decisions that were done by our bench boss this this year. And just 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 a little primer for what to expect next season. Anyways, um, you know, hey, we've been going almost for, you know, this will be the longest episode on the Shark City podcast history thus far. We're almost 90 minutes in. Um, Thank you to everybody who's watching live on Instagram, YouTube, Twitch, and Facebook. Uh, My name is Aaron James. I'm here hosting the Shark City podcast. I've been doing this since January of 2022 this year. Uh, We're covering this. So, you know, this will be um, the final episode, episode 31 meant to honor the 31st season of San Jose Sharks hockey. And, um, you know, just a big thank you to everyone who's been involved in this journey and who's been supporting us, listening to us across these uh, multi-stream platforms and on your preferred podcast uh, platform as well. Thank you to everybody. Just want to throw it out there really quick as we continue to reflect on what was the 2021-2022 San Jose Sharks season. Um, so yeah, um, if Bob Wiener's here next season, which he will be, my, my biggest concern isn't Bob Booner being the Sharks head coach next season. My biggest concern is whether or not Booner will actually change the game plan, change the strategy and infuse the youth permanently. If you want to rotate, which one, if you want to have healthy scratches, and maybe Raska plays this day, and then Dolan the next, or maybe Chalvelski here, maybe Bordalo. You know, because I can see that happening too. I can see Bordalo not being with the club. I can see him going going back to the Cuda. I really can. Um, just because of the decisions that they've made. You know, and this isn't anything new. This is a reoccurring theme for the past three years. These awkward, nonsensical. Um, you know, line combinations and and scratches and whatnot. I mean, I think I remember last season. The lines almost felt like they're 
purposely like like um put together so you couldn't win games because they sort of scratch like some of the guys are hot anyways um but yeah my biggest my biggest concern is you know the the young talent will have another it'll be one more year of sharks hockey without seeing our future without seeing our prospects finally you know what i mean like who knows what's going to happen Eklund. the expectation is he will be here next season but i mean what has been the expectation for Sharks territory in the past three years, right? And, um, you know, you tell me if your expectations have been met. I don't know. Um, you know, all I know is that Joe Will seems to be pleased with the job they're doing. The, the you know, uh, the broadcasters have plenty of praise and they seem to be, uh, you know, approve of the job that Bob Boone is doing. So I don't think he's going anywhere. And I've been saying that for the past couple of podcasts. There's really our past couple episodes, so there's really nothing new with that. Anyways, um, so yeah, I think that's just about it. I mean, obviously, you know, you can't go without giving love or props to Mr. Timo Meyer. Timo time in San Jose happened five times, and that was the only time that's ever happened. In Sharks history. Uh, Timo Meyer, The final. The final uh, storyline. Of the season that we'll focus on. Uh, so Timo Meyer, We mentioned it earlier. Um, in the show. In the program. That uh, he scored five goals. The fastest hat trick. In franchise history. And the only player to score. Five goals in a single game. For the Sounds like Sharks. Um, you know, I'll be honest with you. I almost felt like they're just feeding it to him. And I was like, why don't you just do this every game? <laughs> I mean, anyways, um, talk about a guy who's redefined his career. I mean, Timo, and, and hey, you know, sometimes this could be the result of just having so much talent that you don't get, you know, the opportunity or the minutes that you um, would usually get. In order to have these kind of performances. You know what I'm saying? Um, up until recently, you know, the Sharks were a rather stacked team. And hey, uh, Meyer at the at the ring on the top line, that they may that might have to do just with the mere fact that, you know, Kane ain't up there either. You know? Kane's been gone, so perfect opportunity for, you know, the Sharks twenty fifteen first round ninth overall draft pick that is Timo Meyer. Uh, it's nice to see him have an outstanding season. He played 77 games, okay? 76 points, 35 goals, 41 assists. Um, I believe, without a shadow of a doubt, like that's his career best, not just in points, but in goals. Uh, let me just verify that. Yeah, as I thought. All across the board, career best and goals, assists, obviously points. Um, the closest Timo Myers got into a performance like this was when he played 78 games and he had 66 points back in 2018-2019. Uh, that was a 30-goal season. Um, so, you know, it's nice to see Timo doing something, especially when, you know, um, Sharks are trying to, I mean, up until this season, and I'll be honest with you, up until this season, 
I felt like Timo Meyer was probably one of the expendables, one of the guys that you see on the block. He he still may be. You never know. He still may be. Um, if the Sharks intend on keeping the likes of Hurdle, excuse me, Hurdle, pardon me. Of course they're keeping Hurdle. They just signed him to eight years. Uh, if they if they are trying to keep the likes of uh, Carlson, Couture, Vlasic, and Burns, you know you might have a problem there. Um, Kevin LeBanc, someone, another one of those minor, minor storylines that we'll get into just briefly right now at this moment, as is relevant to the topic. But, you know, that's another guy who couldn't stay healthy all season. And, you know, personally, I think that he was, um, I think, you know, him not being on the roster and being scratched, whatever, kind of helps us out in terms of like, you know, um, roster moves and whatever. That's just my opinion. I think LeBanc's time in San Jose is done. But um, back to Timo Meyer. So with Timo Meyer, you know, LeBanc, if you could free up the space, the cap space that LeBanc is having, and, um, you know, one of these goaltenders, Hill or Reimer, you know, pick or choose, they're both pretty much making the same amount. Um, You know, if and then... We'll see what happens with Barabanov. But long story short is, you know, you have Meyer yet to sign next year, so you don't have to worry about this till next season, right? But, um, you know, you have a Ferraro, etc. So you have to ask yourself, you know, like, it, does Meyer does Meyer realistically fit the Sharks' long-term goals? I mean, is he someone to build around next season? Absolutely. Absolutely. Who else do we have? I mean, how... How do you not build around a 76-point score? You know what I'm saying? Um, but what what a season he's had. At one point, he was literally benched by Bob Ugner. And at the beginning of the season, he was kind of called out. Like, you know, like, show me, show me your worth, so to speak. Show me what you're worth. And he did. Not only did he set franchise records... But he represented the Sounds of Sharks in the NHL All-Star Game this season, making it his first time he's ever been in an All-Star Game. And I'll admit it, when that first kind of happened, when he was first selected, I was thinking like, okay, well, why not Hurdle? Hurdle definitely deserves the recognition. And I also felt that, well, Meyer makes sense because he hasn't been selected yet. And Couture, you know, he was the previous selection, but Hurdle took a spot. So even though Hurdle wasn't technically voted to be the original Shark player who uh, represented the team in the NHL All-Star game, he did go. And, um, yeah, so, you know, I felt like, you know, it was Meyer's turn, so to speak. And um, it's not like he doesn't deserve it. I mean, honestly, like, Meyer has been one of the more pleasant surprise one of the more pleasant surprises this season. Um, not saying that he wasn't able to do it. I just didn't know if he could do it with the Sharks. And, and now we do. Um, so, yeah. I would say... Um, you know what? I would... You know, right now, that's another... That's a, probably one of the better duos that I've seen lately. Hurdle and Meyer. And 
just to um, build upon the comments I made earlier about Tomas Hurdle and his eight-year extension has to be some kind of like there has to be some kind of guarantee there being like hey you're the centerpiece of it all you know what I mean like Hurdle has to be and I know a lot of people are talking about Mario Farrell essentially a future captain but not before Tomas Hurdle absolutely not so Tomas Hurdle definitely is next in line for a captain's patch um obviously we're projecting a little bit further in the future than we probably need to but um yeah i honestly think um if you're going to build around hurdle well then here is a guy that you know you could do that with um and that is timo meyer so you know we'll see what happens um Next season is as of right now is being set up to be a little bit more of like a repeat, right? Of of this year, you know, Bob Bugner, whether or not the talent, the younger talent's gonna be infused, um the goaltending situation. Yeah, James Reimer is definitely the starting goaltender, but you know, will will that carry you know, will his performance carry through to next season? And if they do decide to deal him, then you know, hopefully Kakinen and Hill show up because Hill hasn't been available and you know Kakinen may still you know he he may not he may still need some time he may need some time before he's ready uh, I think he has the ability to be a starting goaltender without a doubt but he he still may need some time um but you know we'll all see you know time will tell um the point I'm trying to make is next season is definitely right now kind of turning out to kind of be uh, almost almost the same. Uh, we have T- Timo Meyer on his contract year, so if he doesn't get a deal done, will his name uh, start to you know be mentioned come trade deadline? Uh, Bob Budner, people are going to be talking about going to be talking about his job right now, whether or not he's safe. Just like going to be talking about all the potential GMs that are available. Who's going to be the next GM? Like you're going to hear a lot, a, a lot of puff pieces about that stuff, as some of these uh, writers try to keep their subscription-based uh, models, um, you know, current. But the point I'm trying to get at is, um, or all, all that to say is that Bob Boonerstein. He's staying for sure. And, um, you know, the GM search isn't going to be, uh, it's, I don't even think it's anywhere close. I don't even think there's, I don't even think there's a candidate in mind. Like, I think there might be a preferred one out there, but what I mean, is like whoever's available now. I, I don't think that, I don't think anyone that's available right now at this moment is going to be the one who, you know, who the sharks are going to end up, uh, uh, going with because it sounds like you know they're doing an extensive search so anyways um so yeah another season without a gm potentially another season with bob Boonier as a bench boss another season with some potentially um pretty uh lack of diesel um strategies and and line formations and hopefully Hopefully not, but maybe another season of, uh, you know, the kids not playing. You know, hopefully, hopefully Eklund is is over here because the last thing I want is for Eklund to start to get a sour taste about San Jose because you could tell that that kid wanted to be here and he deserved to be here. But anyways, 
And that's it. I think that is pretty much a wrap on the show. There's no reason to go any longer than what we've gone now. I'm actually surprised that I've done um, quite the super show here, if you will. I've never... I don't think... I think I probably did it over an hour one time ever. So, But it's only appropriate as we try to summarize what has been you know, the 2021-2022 Sounds Like Sharks season. All right, everybody. So um, thank you once again to everyone who's been watching live. Very late hour. We're at almost 2.30 in the morning here in San Jose. So uh, what's up to everybody? Um, What's going on? I see you in Instagram chat. Um, You're catching us toward the tail end of this. So if, if you're joining live now, don't worry. It's just been a lot of uh, reminiscing and recapping on the season. And we will have the, um, you know, I'll have the show available right away on Instagram. And then uh, for those of you um, who are catching the program on your favorite podcast platform, um, you know, it'll be available as well for you today. Um, and that right there is... The Shark City Podcast for April 30th, 2022. The 31st episode of the Shark City Podcast. The last episode to cover the 2021-2022 season. Um, We will be podcasting throughout the summer. I have a whole summer series lined up for y'all. Including um, some potential original uh, short films again. Trying to throw it back to when we first got started here at Shark City um, looking forward to being creative um, for all of you out there who are fans of the brand and, you know, obviously for, you know, all the fans of Sharks Territory. Um, love spending my time talking uh, till with y'all. It's been a great season. Look forward to, you know, staying current and keeping up to you, uh, keeping up to date with y'all throughout the uh, off season. Definitely going to probably do a show come draft day and, um, you know, we'll probably meet. Um, around the free agency period as well. Uh, but other than that, got some new things we got lined up. That's right, man. Sharks till we die. We bleed till here in Sharks territory. We bleed till at Shark City as well. Just to clarify. Because, hey, the home of South East Sharks fans is Shark City. I've been wanting to say that all season. I'm going to say it right now. The home of Saturday Sharks fans is Shark City. All right. All right, guys and gals and everyone else out there, uh, whether you're listening live on the multi-streaming platforms or if you're going to be listening on the podcast, thank you very much for lending me your time this season. And with that, I'm going to end it as I have all season long with Let's Go Sharks. But this time... I'm also going to say thank you to all of you out there, um, you know, for for letting me, um, you know, talk Sharks hockey with y'all. So everybody have a great night or morning or whatever time it is, wherever you're at. I'm about to get some Z's myself. I'll see y'all later. All right. Uh, we'll be talking again in the offseason. And I'm looking forward to, you know, uh, what the Sharks are going to bring to us in 2022, 2023. All right, till next time, um, as always, let's go Sharks. See you all later.